0: This week, we talk about our expectations for the Xbox Podcast announcements, PlayStation releasing no new first party games until 2025, what Helldiver 2's impressive PC sales might mean for future PlayStation games on PC, and more. All of this tonight, but first, on to that beautiful Bean intro. <laughs> Welcome to the place where PC and console gaming talk combine. This is the Orange Box Podcast, episode 19. I am your host, the man whose five year old daughter has informed him he is kind of old, Nathan, also known as the Frozen Gamer 87. And joining me, as always, the man who has been informed by his co host that he is kind of young, Justin, better <laughs> known as I Am Zerichon. How are you doing today, Justin?
1: Not bad, not bad. It, uh, It's, it's uh, gotten cooler over here. Um, we had, last week, it got up to about 60 degrees, but then it drops back down into the uh, 30s and 40s. Yeah. And we even had some snow. <laughs> that was odd. Um, I've done a little bit more Well, I've gotten back into trying to clear out some of my uh, library backlog uh, from stuff I had checked out. So, finished up a couple books, uh, working on currently the Iliad. Um, so, yeah, that's how things have been going with me.
0: Cool, cool. Yeah, I can't think of what I've even been doing this past week. It's just been one of those weeks, I guess. <laughs> it's just like, it's it's just a blur. Uh, that's that's really what it comes down to. I guess, I mean, my wife and I did uh, celebrated Valentine's Day on Saturday because... Um, well, for, for one, we, our discipleship thing that we have uh, every other Wednesday happened to fall on tonight. So we had that tonight. So there was no way we were going to be able to do it then. And then, of course, on top of that, we usually try not to do Valentine's Day on Valentine's Day because it's always crazy out there. It's just like the restaurants <laughs> are all packed and everything. Um, and Of course, this, this year I decided to just make something at home because we didn't have anyone to watch the kids. So... Um, I just, I went ahead and did up a full meal, made uh, some T-bone steaks, because we actually already had steaks in the freezer from the half cow we bought in 2022, Um, made some shrimp scampi, made some alfredo pasta with homemade alfredo sauce, and then we had just like a regular green salad, like a mix of greens, so it was all good stuff. Although I accidentally overcooked the steaks a little bit, which is unfortunate, but... Oh, yeah, and for the steaks, I also sautéed some mushrooms, uh, bell peppers, and onions, so that went well with it, but anyway. So, yeah, apart from that, I don't think there's been much. Um. Yeah. Yeah, I can't think of anything else that's really been <laughs> going on this past week. It's just... It's been one of those weeks where it just kind of... It's a blur. So, anyway. Well, what have you been playing this past week?
1: Well, it's been pretty simple. I haven't done too much gaming, but I have been playing some more of Death Must Die. Um, I'm getting more into the hang of things, and especially since I'm sort of learning primarily that... Which I feel kind of serves as a detriment to the game, but I'm understanding how loot is a... Huge focus in this game mm-hmm. um, just because of the fact that it really can help make your runs better. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of the fact that the loot can increase your stats, but then it also can increase the chance of you getting a higher tier uh, gift from one of the characters. So gotcha. it helps there, but on the other hand, I don't like this random chance of, say, Getting a common piece of gear, or I could get a epic piece of gear. Mm. Like I don't really like that type of, I guess you could say, Borderlands type of gameplay yeah. in a game that's more like um, Hades slash Vampire Survivors. So mm. that's the one thing that I really can say that I don't really care for. Um, but I mean, like the other aspects of the game that I've mentioned before, you know, just the fact that it's Hades and it's also Vampire Survivors. I like that aspect, but because of you know, constantly needing to get loot, and I mean, it's great that the loot you find, you actually keep, it's not like, even though this is a rogue-like game, um, you do actually get to keep any items that you do find out there, it's just, like, the temporary gifts and stuff like that, those stay in your rents, but it is great that you actually get to keep the loot, so if you find something that's really good, you can keep it, and just add on to it as you go on. But because of the fact that the game really is dependent on the loot you find i'm not certain i mean like i'm going to try to you know beat the entire uh or at least well, what they've put out so far mm-hmm. beat that but this isn't a game where i'll be i can say i'll be pouring as much time to it as i did with hades and vampire survivors like this is something that maybe i'll get 30 ish hours out of but it's not like i'm going to be putting in a hundred hours like i did with hades for example so it'll be interesting like probably next week I'll I might jump back into Power World but I don't really just stop just to play this album because it really seems interesting and a good spin on two already good games right
0: cool cool. yeah um, I, I like the way it looks I'm not sure if I would want to play a game that's as much vampire survivors as it looks like it is Cause like, I really like the style of Hades gameplay and I'm sure Vampire Survivors, I kind of give it fun, but I just, I don't know. I'm not sure if that's for me. I like like the way it looks though. Like I love the visual style. That's very cool. But yeah, definitely got the, I could see how it's that, the combination of those two games for sure. Um, As for what I've been playing. Well, I mean, there are two obvious ones. I'll talk about those. Uh, after I talk about the ones that are less obvious. So uh, one of the first things is I saw that there was a sale on Dark Souls Remastered. Um, it was only $18 through, I think it was Fanatical maybe? I can't remember. It was either that or some other site. But it was, you know, usually the cheapest it gets is 20 bucks, and this is the first time I've ever seen it for 18 and it's one where I wanted to do a comparison and I finally like, am motivated enough to where I felt like it would be worthwhile to go ahead and um, grab that and then restart on PC. So I, I played a, a reasonable amount of Dark Souls. Um, it's not something where I'm planning to like dive deep into it necessarily right now because I'm not quite at a point where I want to per se. But what I did decide to do is I started playing it on Steam Deck, where it, of course, runs flawless 60 frames per second. I don't think it ever drops below 60. Um, and there's not a whole lot you can do graphically to change the settings, so and maybe, maybe there's some mods or something that would, would make a difference. But, yeah, it just stays at 60 all the time. And if you play offline, then you can, of course... Uh, you put the system in sleep mode in between sessions without having to worry about the game closing on you because you stopped playing while you were connected. So that's pretty cool. But, um, of course, with that, I ended up recording a comparison for my channel that will have both that and the Switch version. And um, I'll just say real quick about that. I'm actually kind of surprised going between the two. um the switch version is actually really good. I mean, granted it's only 30 frames per second and there's definitely the 60 versus 30. It's definitely noticeable. Um, But visually like it's not that dramatically different. Not as much as I expected it to be. Um, And I mean, the switch version still is, is a good version. And you know, for someone, if someone doesn't have a steam deck, and wants that portable experience then you know i can can definitely still recommend the switch version but uh going back to playing on steam deck i i had previously come across a uh, like a checklist of things that you should do from the beginning of the game onward and so i was following that and like it kind of has you going a bit all over the map after you um complete the initial run through the uh what you call it um the starting area what's it called the uh, asylum yes that's right undead asylum um so it has like a checklist of you know things that you should be doing when you're going through there the first time and um uh, you know so and then after that it after you get out of there and you're in the main areas it kind of has you running all over the map basically to collect specific things and then like in most cases you're running through areas where you're way under leveled you're not prepared for it so all you're really doing is you're just running picking something up and then keep moving in some cases you're literally just doing a suicide run to grab something (laughs) because you'll maintain it after you die and not focused on souls or anything um i will say playing that way not being focused on worrying about obtaining souls was definitely helpful in making the game more enjoyable to me um I also play. Decided to play as a different class and have more focus on specific stats. I was leveling up. Uh, that is strength. Um, gosh, I can't remember the names of the stats very well. But basically, it's like the st- one that that does your strength, one for your HP, and then one for stamina. Is basically what I'm focusing uh, on because I'm going for uh, for more of a strength build. Um,
1: it's uh, endurance probably or no
0: i can't remember but anyway the point is is that those are the stats that my friend recommended that i that i focus on if i'm going for a strength build versus if i'm going for like a dexterity build then i I do you know dexterity and uh, rather than strength as much um so anyway that's that's primarily what i was focused on with with my build and i i didn't play super long i hadn't even gotten to the um a demon boss that's on the bridge it's one of the first bosses you fight oh. um gosh it, it's it's in undead Burg. you're going through undead Burg and then there's like a boss at the top of a tower and there's like a bridge that goes across oh and the one that you can do the uh plunge jump yes one?
1: okay yeah
0: which um I, I hadn't even got up to them mostly because i couldn't remember i forgot that he was at the top of that tower and like i I've been in that that area before there a ton of times like I spent a bunch of time on, on there when I was playing on Switch so like I I knew where the enemies were and how to you know take care of them although I'm always terrible at dealing with the black knights whenever I come across those but oh gosh I, I hate those guys so much and I mean like like I I know that if you can get them to fall off the ledge then it's like okay easy kill but The problem is that (laughs) it's not always easy to lure them to where they'll actually fall off the ledge. So, anyway. I I did have to take out one of those when I was going through because, like, one of the things I had to do was, like, go through the Valley of the Drakes and then up into, um... up, up Up to one of the bonfires that's in between the Valley of the Drakes and the, um... There's like up up an elevator, then through through a cave that takes you out to some garden area that's
1: near where oh um, gosh, I can't remember the name of it. The oh gosh, yeah, it's it's like the one where the uh... the ants are, uh, like the en-
0: yes, 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 the ant-like creatures. Okay. Yep, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. But anyway, so so it's like going around there and then and then through the whatever that chapel is and having to avoid the big metal guy with the spear that doesn't have any legs and stuff because I'm not <laughs> ready to fight him yet um, and then eventually you know getting back to the main uh, Firelink Shrine area so uh, but anyway so yeah the bit I played I was, I was having a good time with it for the most part and obviously I think what it really comes down to is that when I'm serious about playing Dark Souls, I need to go into it not being focused so much on trying to... Uh, on worrying so much about the souls. Because, yeah, obviously I don't want to lose my souls, but at the same time, if I'm so focused on that, that that, it, that I'm letting myself get frustrated every time I die and lose a bunch of souls, then I'm never going to enjoy the game. And um, I think between you know just having, having the right focus and being able to um, to go through and and like fall like go through the checklist and make sure I'm grabbing certain things from certain areas and everything. I think that'll help me a lot in actually getting all the way through the game when I decide I'm ready to play. But I will say that I, I do think that I'm at a point where at least I'm fine with starting over because I realize that having a better build will make a big difference because i wasted so many of my souls on building up my character, build, leveling up stats that were completely pointless to level up, and i just didn't know at the time. Um, oh, i did i forgot to mention i'm playing as a pyromancer. So, that way i that way i have the higher strength ish, i mean you know, higher strength than some of the other classes, but also have the fireball by default. So, it's like, hey, works out great. Um, but anyway, So, apart from that, I also recorded a little bit of Borderlands the pre-sequel. I only did it on Switch so far, uh, mostly just because I didn't really have enough time to record everything else, and I was like, okay, I already had my Switch out, did Dark Souls, and then did Borderlands pre-sequel right after that, just so that I'd get that done. And it's it's fine on Switch. I mean, it's my first time playing pre-sequel, so... I was struggling a little bit with some of the, um, slight differences in controls, and it may just be I don't have my sensitivity dialed in and everything, because I know I had, when I originally was playing Borderlands 2, I was, I had to adjust some settings to get it to where it actually, like, felt good, um, and probably, that's just, that's probably all I really need to do on that one, but, in this case, I'm not planning to play it on the Switch, I just, since I already had it there, you know, recorded the footage there and then whenever I get time which will probably be like next week or something I'll record the footage on Steam Deck as well which I'm sure will be a much better experience and then go from there but yeah um, and then of course the two more obvious things I've been playing are Dying Light um, which it's just kind of little bit here and there it's actually hasn't been as much as i would have liked but it's mostly because i've been focused primarily on sea of stars so sea of stars i am technically right before the final boss but i hadn't really done a whole lot of side quests and some of them just didn't even open until i got to a certain point in the game and i'm at that point now where i can do uh pretty much all the side quests. The only There's only like a couple things that are post-game side quests. Um, so I'm just kind of working through side quests. And initially I was a little annoyed by it because I don't like being forced to do side quests in order to get like the best ending. Um, but I reminded myself, you know, one of my goals this year is to just take the time to enjoy my games and not worry about rushing through them. So... I decided, okay, I'm just going to go ahead and look at the list of side quests and start working my way through. And it's not like the number of side quests is, you know, Skyrim level or anything where there's an insane amount. Um, it's closer to Chrono Trigger levels of, you know, the, the number of side quests. Um, but I ended up, what I've done so far, them I've actually really been enjoying. Um, They're a nice change of pace and not having to worry about paying close attention I mean paying attention to stuff story wise at this point because the side quests are are mostly just like there's a handful of them that's solving puzzles and there's of course you know some fights and stuff and um yeah it's just it's enjoyable stuff the one thing i'm not sure about there's two types of mini game things that it has that are required as part of what you need to do in order to get the best you know like the true ending um one of which is like basically a board slash card game that's internal to the game and i have completely avoided messing with it since i started so i'm not sure how much of an investment that's going to be because i'm one of those people where like either i will really get into those types of uh internal games like triple triad in final fantasy eight for example um or it will be something along the lines of uh whatever the name of the card game is in final fantasy nine that i didn't like at all <laughs> and i just i don't like being forced to do that kind of stuff but yeah so i haven't i haven't messed with either with with that yet and then there's also just a fishing thing, which isn't... I mean, it's not terribly complicated. I just don't know how much I'm going to have to do. I'm guessing it's basically just catching one of every kind of fish. Something to that effect, but I haven't really looked into it yet. So those, those two things that might end up being more like a... after I finish the game sort of thing, because I'm less motivated to do them, but I haven't fully really decided. The main thing is that I really want to at least finish the story and, you know, the side quests that I actually care about doing before I start playing Persona 3 Reload, which I should be getting, uh, tomorrow. And I don't think... Well, basically I'm thinking that I'm going to try and be done with Sea of Stars by Saturday. And that way I can just jump into Persona and be fully focused on that, because Saturday I'm basically not doing anything but uh, you know, resting and all that. Resting and playing games and just enjoying a day off. So, anyway. That's that's about all I have to say
1: on those. So, uh, since you're just about done with Sea of Stars, about how long... Uh, is the main story.
0: I want to say... 25 to 30 hours, maybe.
1: Something like that. Okay, that's not... I, that's I, not I, that. I think
0: right now, in-game, last I remember looking at it, it was around 23-hour mark, but that might have been... I might be thinking of before I started doing the side quests, or like partway into the side quests. I know I still have more stuff to do. Um, but yeah, I would say it's probably around 30 hours and with and that's including side quests i want to say i would say at most maybe 35 but i'm not
1: entirely sure okay that's not bad yeah i I, I was curious i didn't think it would be too long i thought the game probably would have been that nice sweet spot Mm -hmm. range of between like 20 to 30 hours so i think that's good yeah definitely All right, uh,
0: anything else before we start getting into news? Uh, No, sir. All right, so, of course, uh, we are recording this on Wednesday, the 14th. And, of course, as is tradition, tomorrow is when Xbox is having their uh, official Xbox podcast, in which Phil Spencer and Sarah Bond, and I can't remember who else, Uh, several people who are, like, heads of Xbox are going to be discussing the future of Xbox, what it is that they're planning to do um, regarding, you know, hardware, software, and so on and so forth. Now, we talked previously about the rumors that uh, Xbox was going to be bringing a whole bunch of their first-party games over. Um, Since last week, we've kind of at least gotten the an indication that maybe things like Starfield and Indiana Jones are still more potential things rather than confirmed things that they're planning to do. Um, And we don't know exactly what they're going to talk about tomorrow. But there has been what appears to be a leak ahead of time of games that are probably going to be coming right away. Or well, not necessarily right away, but that will be the first of the Xbox uh, exclusive games to make their way over to other platforms. Those three being Pentiment, Hi-Fi Rush, and Sea of Thieves. There may be something else I'm forgetting about, but I'm pretty sure it was just those three. Um, Everything else at this point is basically still kind of like they're discussing it, they're going back and forth, and Um, By the time you hear this, most likely we'll have some better idea of what it is specifically Xbox is planning, but
1: um, your thoughts? Uh, I really think that (laughs) Microsoft should have been they they really should have said something put some sort of statement out sooner rather than letting all these leak or rumors start floating around and stuff like that. I, I think that they've really been poor at handling the situation um, just because a whole lot of people really don't know what's on Microsoft's mind. Uh, I, grant, I mean, we'll learn a lot tomorrow, but you know, it would be nice to have some confirmation of stuff sooner. I still think that having Microsoft's games going over to other platforms is beneficial for the consumers because you know people don't necessarily need to buy another box they wouldn't necessarily care to own uh, just to play these games, so if these games are still coming over, that's great. Um, Of course, you know, maybe... Maybe depending on how they... Since they're still just contemplating stuff, it might be a situation with, like, with Sony, how their games are about a year or two before they move over onto PC. But, you know, that's kind of a topic we'll be discussing later on. But uh, something like that, they might be doing something like that. don't know. Um, Although I really think they should just be completely transparent tomorrow or I guess yesterday as of the uploading of this video but uh, they really just need to leave no confusion just be straightforward say this is what we're planning on doing this is what we're going to be doing this is what we're thinking about doing but it's not necessarily written in stone they just need to like lay out all the cards out on the table right now because you know it's not it's really they're really by not having by by not stating their intentions, they're really just leaving so many blanks for people to fill in those with rumors and stuff like that. So, hopefully, we learn a lot of interesting stuff there. But still, I I still can see High fi Rush going to other just to a uh, PlayStation Five and Nintendo Switch. I think that's the game that really is. It's it's. I think that's really one that really speaks as a multi flat Like that's a game that you don't really see. Belong to any one particular company or one particular uh console more just like this is a game that say came out in the ps2 xbox gamecube era that's a game you would see just being brought on all the platforms so i definitely have no problem with that one going or all around for that one sea of thieves maybe it'll be actually confirmed for ps5 i think it could be um but it, it'll be interesting to see what happens tomorrow.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, so I, I will say, uh, for starters, I I think Sea of Thieves. I I don't see any reason why this wouldn't get ported over. I mean, it's been out on Xbox exclusively for the past seven years. It you know started out not so great, but it's become you know very popular since then and. Um, you know, from what most people have said, it's actually a really, really good game. At least, you know, if you're looking into that type of game. Um, and I think that, you know, it's had it, it's had plenty of time just being Xbox and PC. It makes perfect sense for it to come over to PlayStation, especially since it's live service, which you know is it's it's already proven to be successful in that sense. And if you bring it over to a new audience, that's just more revenue. So. Um, that's that's very good thing from that standpoint. Um, in terms of Hi-Fi Rush, you know, we've we discussed this a bunch previously. I think it makes perfect sense that would be coming over to Switch just based on visual style alone. And you know, I think that it's not impossible with some visual compromises that they could even get it running at sixty. Um, I mean, I'm not saying that necessarily it would be easy to do. And it's possible they might just have to find some sort of compromise in between. I don't know how easily they could make it run at 40. I think that would be a good spot if they couldn't achieve 60. But um, I don't necessarily expect them to do that. So who who knows for sure on that front. Um, If the rumors are true, then it... Well, just based on the fact that there was the leaked like uh, t-shirts or whatever that actually had what appeared to be um, Hi-Fi Rush logos corresponding to Nintendo and PlayStation specifically. Like, customized versions where um, like, one was was like, blue when he was uh, the main character was holding a Buster Sword and then the other was, like, Switch Red and I can't remember what he was holding, but um, it seems very likely that this is actually going to be happening and you know, it's another one of those games where, because of the smaller audience, it hasn't sold as well as it could, and it makes perfect sense for it to come over to both uh, Switch and PlayStation. Um, as far as Pentiment goes, I can't remember if if this one is said to be um, actually like both Switch and PS Five. Though it would make sense for it to be both. Uh, this one. I don't see any reason why this one wouldn't work perfectly on the Switch because it's you know 2D, it's colorful, it's um, it's not the kind of game that would be demanding by any stretch. And everything I've heard about this game is that it's excellent. Uh, plus, it's made by Obsidian, and they typically make really great games, so I I trust them on that front. But I think that all of these are very believable probably the most believable of the different rumors we've heard um, more believable than Starfield and Indiana Jones even though of course those things could still come over um, as an in general thing though like how how they how they've handled this whole situation I agree with you for the most part but I would also say, where i disagree is i feel like because of the sheer amount of information they needed to cover and the fact that they hadn't really planned on covering this until the leak started coming out i think that the way they're handling this by choosing to just do this podcast which um, based on how it's been in the past for this official xbox podcast it's basically more of a round table discussion it's going to be in video format we don't know exactly how long it's going to be. But this gives them an opportunity to give a full explanation of what their vision is. Rather than just trying to do little snippets of um, you know, press releases or t- tweets or whatever here and there. And people reading into everything. They can spend more time and dive deep into what it is that they're looking at for the future with Xbox. And um, as many people have pointed out, I think that the chances are there's not going to be any sort of them saying that we're leaving the hardware market because they don't have to. They have so much money that they can keep putting out the Xbox, continue to give that option to people while still potentially putting even some of their biggest games, even if they did them day and date on PlayStation, they, they would still... That wouldn't mean that they need to exit the hardware market. It's not like Sega where they just weren't selling Jack Squat and... They were also only putting their games on their single platform. You know, Xbox has had that problem, but Xbox has already been putting their games on PC day and date for years. And if they start putting their games, more of their games on Nintendo and put games on PlayStation, that just means more revenue for them, which means that they can continue to use the money that they obtain from things like that to help prop up other areas, like their hardware side of things. And a lot of times the hardware side anyway, for these manufacturers, ends up being sold at a loss initially, until the technology gets cheaper, and then they can start actually making a profit on the hardware. Um, but yeah. That's basically where I stand on this. We'll see what happens tomorrow, but I, I do believe that the I I think that the more recent information of Starfield and Indiana Jones not being confirmed ones, but more just being like, maybe at some point they might do them seems more likely. Whereas these other three games, like, yeah, I, I don't see any reason why these wouldn't happen. It's a 12 p.m. Pacific, so it'll be 4 p.m. or no, 3 p.m. your time. Yeah, 3 p.m. I always get get that mixed up in my brain because I'm so used to thinking in Alaska time because in Alaska it was four hours ahead for East Coast and it's like, no, West Coast is only three hours behind East Coast, so 3 p.m. your time, 2 p.m. my time. Yeah, I'm going to try to see if I can listen to it when it goes live, but... We'll, we'll see what happens with that. I, I don't know if I'll... What exactly my time's going to look like, because... I'm only working till noon tomorrow. Or, well, actually, I'm working till 11 tomorrow, or... Uh, whenever I get done doing the new hire because I have to do that tomorrow. Um, and then I'm going to be off for the rest of the day, but I do have to edit the podcast, so... Depending on whether I... Decide to w- whether I can get that done in time before they do their thing or um, decide to take a break partway during the editing process, I might end up streaming a reaction to it. Um, I haven't really figured that out yet. I will say though, the rumored Nintendo Direct is obviously not happening tomorrow because Nintendo hasn't announced anything, and they I don't think there's been a time that they've except maybe like once where they actually just dropped it without any announcement whatsoever. I think they've only done that one time. Usually they always it's like, okay, if it's coming out next day, they always announce it the day before, and that way you know to expect it. But anyway, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see what all is said here. I I do hope that Um I, I do hope that they kind of indicate more along the lines of that it's going to be a case-by-case basis with the bigger titles because while i do think it is better for um, the consumer i also see from a brand standpoint why it wouldn't i mean why it wouldn't hurt to hold off for a little bit you know g- give it some time see how some of the other stuff does before they start moving stuff over i don't know I'm kind. I, I guess. I guess I'm just kind of um, sympathizing a little bit with the fanboys, which you know I shouldn't do that. But <laughs> I, I I can I can see where they're coming from at least, even if you know I I don't think it's necessarily going to be as much of a problem as I think it's going to be. But. but speaking of exclusives moving away from platforms. Helldivers 2 has actually sold surprisingly well on Steam, and it was released day and date with the PS5 version. A combined total over that first weekend, it sold about a million copies between the PS5 and the PC. Um, it's been doing pretty well in terms of having concurrent, you know, large number of concurrent players, I think going up to around 144,000, give or take. Um... And not dropping drastically by any stretch. And um, the director, president, COO, and CFO, representative CEO of Sony. All right, so this is uh, from Video Games Chronicle. During a QA session following Sony's latest financial results briefing, Hiroki Totoki was asked why the game division is seeing an increase in gross income but not in profits whether there were any initiatives planned to improve upon the bottom line. Totoki replied that there were two main factors he wanted to focus on, hardware and first-party games. In terms of hardware, he noted that the cost reduction in this console cycle is really difficult to come by compared to previous generations due to the increased price of components, and implied that console prices wouldn't be dropping while it looked for ways to improve margins. How can we, given the situation, put our product lines together to make it affordable without relying on steep discounts to reasonably sell them to continue our commercial journey on a sustainable basis, he asked. I personally think that's important and there is an opportunity in that. And here's the, the big thing. Jotoki then addressed the topic of first-party games and made it clear that he feels releasing them multi-platform, which he seemingly clarified as meaning PC, continues to be the way forward. In the past, we wanted to popularize consoles, and a first-party title's main purpose was to make the console popular, he explained. This is true, but there's a synergy to it. So if you have strong first-party content, not only on our console, but also on other platforms like computers, a first-party game can be grown with multi-platform, and that can help operating profit to improve, so that's another one we want to proactively work on. I personally think there are opportunities out there for improvement of margin, so I would like to go aggressive on improving our margin performance. So, going back to Helldivers and how this all connects. Helldivers is the first time that Sony has released a game day and date with PlayStation. And it has done very well. It's sold very well. I mean, the fact that a game like this that's basically would be considered more of a double-A game, it's um, being released both on PS5 and PC same date, both for 40 bucks, which is great. And it has you know, sold a million copies between the two platforms. It's probably more by this point, but at least the first weekend that's about how well it sold. This is already... Shown that PC players, if you give them the games day and date, especially if you don't charge a ridiculous amount, they're going to go for it. And um, you know, on top of that, there's the fact that. Um, sorry, I'm having a brain fart here. I'm just going to let you talk for a minute until I can get my brain back in order. So, I want I want your thoughts on all of this.
1: Okay, yeah, so I it, it's definitely uh, I think we can see that it's great that the game is doing that held Divers Two is doing well and as you mentioned the game did well as a day in day day in date with the PS5 version as opposed to say all the other releases they were a year two years uh, afterwards and they sold decently, but some, uh, for a couple games, I think it was like Ratchet and Clank was one of them, where it, it didn't meet their expectations, but it's, well, you sold the game at full price uh, several years after it first released, so you're not really going to get as much of a return as you would if you had done day and date. And so, especially, and so with this Helldivers 2, and in addition to what uh, President Totoki was saying about you know wanting to be more aggressive with multi-platform <laughs> uh, specifically PC. Um, I, I definitely see more games. And of course we already knew that Sony had already said that, um, live service games were going to be day and date on PC, or at least they were going to be closer to day and dates. But with this statement that was given, it definitely seems like we w- could be getting games, um, that are actually going to be closer that aren't, um, Live servers for multiplayer games, so we could be getting single-player games. That like, was it um, until dawn? Was until dawn confirmed to be day and date? I can't recall. I
0: don't think they've confirmed it yet. Um, yeah, I, I don't, th- I don't think they confirmed that it would be day and date. They just said that it's coming to PlayStation and PC.
1: Okay, I honestly, I could actually see that one being day and date, partially because of the fact that even though it is a it's it's a new updated version i think because of the fact that it is a game that has already been released and made before they might do it for that reason say it's excusable because it is a remaster remake of the original version granted they didn't do that with the last of us part one um uh, re-, re remaster remake so I still think they could do this one day and date but I think other games moving forward like um gosh what do they have down their pipeline Uh whatever I guess whatever the well they might not do it but whatever they have in their Insomniac uh, timeline it might not necessarily be Wolverine but anything after that those could be coming day and date I think that's definitely a possibility any other games that they have like maybe i think naughty dog's supposed to have a single player game in the works that could be something that could be coming day and date anything else that we don't even know about like you know if for whatever reason they say hey blue point how about you go and you remake bloodborne for us uh like you did with demon souls and blue point says sure oh but guess what blue point We'd also like you to make a PC version as well. Golly, I would love to do that. Like, I feel like that's something we could also get as well. I would love to see that happen. And you know what? Even if you don't want Bluepoint to do the PC version, just get your good friends Nixus to help you out. Yep. Like, Nixus does a great job, so just bring them into that as well. But I, I definitely do see that even if it isn't day and date, I think we'll have a way shorter time frame than what Sony initially said because they said it was going to be at least a year, maybe two years. I think we could be even seeing something within, say, six months. That I, I honestly see, we could, think we could be getting something like that. And, but, but I think they definitely do want to get it closer to Day and Date just because they see how profitable Day and Date is for Helldivers and. Yeah. This is something that we've also talked about before. You know, if we're waiting a while for a game, we can wait. If we had to wait for a game just to come over to PC, we'll wait to, for a good sale to come by. Like, I got Spider Man uh, remastered. I waited until that dropped down to like $36 on sale. Got it on Green Man Gaming. Um, I got Horizon Zero Dawn on sale for. on Steam, and then I got for $15 on GLG. Um, I can definitely wait for these games to go on sale, especially if I've already waited for them to just be ported over in the first place. Mm -hmm. So Sony is also technically going to be not going to be getting, uh, they're going to technically lose the money because who wants to buy a game that is a port of a game that has been out for a long while, and you're still going to have to, and they're still charging you for full price. Mm -hmm. Um, That, like, that's something that I think Sony is hopefully seeing that it's not worth delaying these games and not, you know, not getting that uh, investment brought back in. Uh, so hopefully they are learning from the situation and thinking, yeah, let's 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 not wait anymore. Let's just do whatever Microsoft's doing. That's profitable in there, and it can be profitable in our end as well. And it's not hurting Microsoft, so it shouldn't be hurting us either. So hopefully they learn from this, and hopefully closer to that day and date right
0: I mean especially like you look at Starfield as a great example Yeah. I mean that you know while it's certainly not the first Xbox game to come to PC day and date the fact that it sold so extremely well even though it's on Game Pass I mean it sold very very well and we're talking about people buying the premium edition with the early access that in and of itself sold incredibly well now they can look at Helldivers and see how well it has sold. You know, with being a day 1 PC release, they have to be thinking maybe we need to start putting these day and date. And you know, considering the fact that they're they don't have any first party games coming out this year at all. Maybe they're maybe they just decided, you know, instead of releasing a first party game this year for PlayStation and then releasing it for PC later, maybe we're just going to work hard so we can get both of them out at the same time. That may be maybe a pipe dream at this point, but it's not impossible. I mean, you got the president of the company who's also I guess basically interim CEO, you know, uh, for after Jim Ryan leaves or uh, until they find someone to replace Jim Ryan. Um yeah. I mean, it's it's a smart decision and we've been saying it for a long time. And yes, I, I know that at least right now, the PlayStation fanboys in particular are very much coping. They're very much moving the goalposts and saying, well, you know, even even this, they, they're, they're not going to release any of their single player games day and date. I wouldn't bet money on that. I mean, I, you know, I've been saying for a long time that I really think this is something Sony's going to do. It's just a matter of time when it's going to happen and you know, the reality is that it's not going to devalue the console purchase because people who bought a Playstation will still be able to play the games at the same time even if it's not necessarily as pretty or run as or doesn't run as well as the PC version, you know, you bought the cheaper box so you could play it on something that's technically less complicated to to get going and you just have to upgrade it you know every so many years and PC gamers are you know doing it however they see fit you know being able to actually customize things and you know get it to run however they want it they don't necessarily have to do 4K if they don't care about 4K um yeah I just it's a no-brainer and and we'll see if if Sony actually wises up on this front if not you know it's fine we have plenty of games to play we're in no rush a lot of people especially in the PC gamer uh, side of things will say that Sony's games suck and that's fine you know that's your opinion I think that they have some great games and I enjoy a lot of them I'm very interested in hell divers I just don't have time to play it right now um, thankfully, they did fix it, from what everyone has said. That they actually fixed it, and they fixed it pretty quickly, which is great. I'm glad that they did that. In fact, I think they fixed it before they fixed the problems with the PlayStation version, which is, is pretty funny. Um, probably because they, they knew that the word of... I mean, you know, the PlayStation fans are just going to buy it no matter what, because, you know, they're fanboys. But well, I should say that the fanboys are going to buy it no matter what, because it's on PlayStation, and they don't have anything to play uh, necessarily, or at least they don't have any other first-party games to play. Uh, whereas the PC platform, you know, if, if you release a bad bad game, you're going to get a lot of negative feedback, and it's going to reduce your sales significantly. So they probably figured, okay, we better fix this quickly. And, sure enough, they did. But... It's it's going to be interesting to see what happens with this. I, I hope that... They really look at this as an opportunity, even if they only do it with like one game here or there, you know, but I I think they need to take a chance released one of their big first party single player games day and date with PC. And it needs to be one of the new ones, not just an old one, because the old ones, they're just going to sell the way that they're going to sell, especially considering the fact that in many cases they're selling them full price but if they sell a new game full price day and date you're much more likely to get PC gamers purchasing that new game full price or at the very least you know, buying it through Green Man Gaming or whatever and getting a discount um, so yeah it's <laughs> it's a beautiful thing though it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing and I, I can't wait for the first single player first party game to come day and day on PC and to just see all the coping and the seething and hopefully they will learn to accept it just as many of the Xbox people learn to accept it and come to realize this doesn't harm my platform I can still buy I can still buy my console I still spend less technically than a PC gamer uh, for the console itself even though I have to pay for it online which is a lot more expensive now but <laughs> you know it's not going to harm them it's only going to help it's going to help everyone let us PC gamers experience what in many cases are great games assuming they don't don't all get destroyed by Sweet Baby and um, it gave us we, you know, more sales to PlayStation, which means they have they make more return on investment with the money that they put into making these games, which means more games can be made. And hopefully Sony can provide better games, better services, or they can just continue to charge pay pigs. But you know, however it works. <laughs> um, any other thoughts on that? Uh no, no. Alright, so I mentioned it already a bit but we can talk about it some more if you, if you have any further thoughts uh, regarding the fact that PlayStation has confirmed that there's not going to be any first party games any new first party games coming out in 2024. So, that doesn't mean that there won't be remasters. Uh, we already, I'm pretty sure they already said until Dawn was going to be 2024. Um, obviously, there will be, you know, the uh, Second-party games, you know, games that they're publishing as exclusives, like Stellar Blade, um, Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth will be an exclusive for at least three months. You know, there's there's pl- there's still stuff coming to PlayStation. It's just that in terms of the first-party output, there's not going to be anything new this year. So, any anything new or new iterations in existing
1: franchises? So, your thoughts? Uh, well, I guess initially, my initial thought was, what's the big deal uh, about this? But then I realized that reading is fundamental and that it's not March 2024, but 2025. Uh, So then I realized, no, it actually is a full year that Sony's not putting out any big uh, first party games. And it's kind of odd because, especially seeing how Sony's been, well, pretty much... Putting out year after year, first party like new game. Well, twenty twenty three. Take, take, take that back. Yeah, twenty twenty three. The only the actual
0: Masters. new game that they had that was first party. I mean, they they had some exclusives, but the only thing that they had that was a first party release that was that was new was Spider Man Two. At least I'm pretty sure... There There might have been one other one... I mean... Well... Excluding like PSVR stuff... Because they did have like... Uh, Horizon Call of the Mountain... Uh, but... I mean it's like... They had that and some DLC... And then remasters and that's it... And... F- considering how much their first party games... Are praised... And you know one of the reasons why... PlayStation fans and fanboys alike like the playstation so much it's concerning and like i i know i i mean i'll let you get back to your thoughts here in just a second i just want to say i know a number of people who are big playstation fans like it's their favorite platform um even the ones that i wouldn't necessarily consider to be fanboys but they still you know playstation is their favorite platform it's their primary place to play they'd rather play their games on playstation than anywhere else um a lot of them have said, you know, they want to know what Sony's doing with their first party games because all they're all they're seeing is remasters. And like even even though most of them really like Spider-Man 2, that's the only new game they've had in a while. And yeah, they have Helldivers 2, which they might be fun enjoying playing that, but not all of them are that excited about it. And then even those that they might like the game, like one guy I know very specifically um, he only has 4K screens I don't think he has any 1080p screens anymore and Helldivers at least um, I'm, I'm not positive I think it's just for performance mode that it's only 1080p but he, he was saying you know I'm, I'm tired I don't want to play the game at 1080p 60 so yeah I guess it would be performance mode but it was like I don't want to play the game at 1080p I'm tired of 1080p I want the PS5 Pro and like he's you know single, plenty of disposable income, you know, by all means, I understand that. Um, but yeah, it's like you know you're getting 1080p 60 is the best you can do on the PS5. This supposedly you know a super powerful platform with a magical SSD that can cure cancer. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I'll let you get back to what you were saying. Sorry to
1: interrupt. Oh no no no! But yeah, I was just saying that it it is kind of odd. I mean, now that you mention it, like I didn't even think about the fact that Spider-Man Two is the only was the only game that was completely new for 2023. So I guess I'm not technically too surprised, but still, it's just wow. I mean, I it makes me wonder though, what is does Sony actually have? That they're planning out because um, it must be something big. If the fact that we don't have any news for or or anything concrete about anything that's going to be coming up, or I guess because was Wolverine pushed back or something? I thought because I don't, I don't think it was
0: pushed back, and it never really had a release date.
1: Okay, so. But yeah, so it does seem to be... I mean, I guess when you stop and think about how many games have just been remixed and remasters, it does seem kind of like Sony is in sort of a dry period. I mean, I don't personally... I'm not personally complaining or anything like that because, I mean, even if all these remakes and remasters are coming day and date... I wouldn't necessarily care because my backlog is completely full. Right. Um, but I guess from the lens of a Sony fan, this would be concerning. Um, just the fact that where are the games at? I mean, especially if you're going to look at, say, Xbox. Xbox has so many first-party games coming out this year. Um, like, then you look at PlayStation, it's just like, well, what do we get? And then the fact that it's pretty much, it, it's confirmed that no new games are coming until next March, which is wow, that's 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 a long waiting period. Um, so uh, don't know what's going on, but uh, well, Sony's gonna be putting out some news eventually. I mean, they might have. I mean, I I reckon they'll have some sort of presentation sometime later this year saying. Here's what we have going on for 2025, but, uh, yeah, until then, here are these remakes and remasters. Yeah.
0: I mean, I'm hoping that... $70. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, I'm hoping
0: that Sony actually starts showing what some of their first-party studios have been working on, because you have a studio like Sucker Punch, which, mm-hmm. you know, personally is my favorite developer. Like, I, I love, as I've stated previously, I love all their games, I love... Sly Cooper, I love Infamous, I love uh, Ghost of Tsushima and like I I don't think they've made a bad game unless there's one that I don't know about um, that was bad but you know it's like I'd like to see what they're working on I mean we know Insomniac has a bunch of stuff in the works and uh, you know political messaging aside and you know uh, the complete emasculation and destruction of Peter Parker and, you know, making the insufferable girl boss of Mary Jane. Um, you know, their their games are well made, are very well made. I mean, I, I love the Ratchet and Clank games. Spider-Man Remastered and, Spy- and Miles Morales are both fantastic. Um, you know, of course they've made a lot of other great games as well, like uh, Sunset Overdrive, you know, which I would love to see that ported over to other platforms. That would be a great Switch game. That would look really good on the Switch, and I think they could probably get it to run really well. But anyway, um, yeah, I I just I it it bugs me, even though I don't have a PS5 and have no plans to buy one, that you're not seeing these first-party games. Now, I am also someone who I buy I I typically like the only reason I even had a PlayStation. Last generation was because of their first-party games. That was really the only reason. And I mean, like, I bought, um, I, I bought some other games that weren't first-party that were initially exclusives, like Final Fantasy XII, The Zodiac Age, Persona Five, Persona Five Royal. Um, and uh, looking over at my shelf, oh, Destiny, of course. But that was something that came with my PS PS4. Um. And I bought Arkham Knight there. Because that was before I had a PC that could run it. And... But apart from that, it's like... I I primarily got it for their first-party games. And I, I don't think that there's any of their first-party games I played on there that I didn't enjoy. So... It is concerning that we're not seeing first-party games... With the exception of the stuff that's come out from Insomniac. In fact, I'm trying to think here... This generation, the only new first-party games we've gotten—it's basically been Insomniac games, and then Returnal. I think that's it. I could be wrong. Oh no, that's that's wrong. Ratchet and Clank, Rift apart. Yeah, that's right. Ratchet and Clank, and then Horizon Forbidden West. We're both we're both mm-hmm. PS5. And I guess got of War Ragnarok. So okay, I'm wrong. But some some of those were cross-gen. You know both Horizon and God of War were cross-gen, um, but I mean, of course, Ratchet is also from from Insomniac anyway. So, oh yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. But even still, it's like you know we haven't a lot of these studios have just been silent for a long time, and Naughty Dog has just been putting out more The Last of Us. I mean, the fact that we've <laughs> we, we've gotten M- The Last of Us Part Two twice in the past. Uh, three, well technically in three years time because they released it first in 2020 and then they released it again in 2023. And then The Last of Us, I mean The Last of Us uh, remaster or Part 1 they did, you know, in 2020 was that 2022? I can't remember if that was 2022 or 2023 The Last of Us Part 1 came out, it was probably 2022. And then they, you know I mean of course they all supported the PC but Yeah, that's all that we've gotten from Naughty Dog. Supposedly, they're working on... Well, not supposedly. They are working on some type of other single-player game. Who knows what that's going to be. I I want to believe that it's something good, but... Considering The Last of Us has (laughs) been their main main thing the past few times, it's just... It's hard to give them a whole lot of credit. It's like, I love their Uncharted games. I think they're fantastic, but... I mean they're not like the deepest, like greatest games ever, but they're they're solid games and I, I enjoy them. But I don't know. We'll have to see what happens. I'm guessing that probably like Sucker Punch is working on Ghost of Tsushima 2. And mm. um all any studios that Sony has that are first party, probably the reason we haven't heard anything is because there's so uh, there's so much demand for these games to look super realistic and also run decently on the magical SSD that, you know, can cure leprosy and, uh, you know, uh, (laughs) restore sight to the blind and, um, you know, whatever, whatever else it's supposed to do. But, um, the fact that the fact that they're not doing any first party games in 2024, it, it's it's funny to me also at the same time because you had PlayStation fanboys who you know are particularly um, you know into the console warring thing, you know making fun of Xbox fans because they had some dry years, and then 2023 Xbox got more new games than PlayStation did. It looks like it's going to be the same thing for 2024. And who knows what 2025 is going to look like. I mean, I'm hoping that they have at least two or three new first-party games, but I mean, with with the way these budgets have blown up, it's really hard to say. Now, of course, if they decide to start putting things day and date on PC, then I think that'll make up for the extended development time, because they'll probably sell, you know, a million copies of some of these games day one. It's like they could do that, you know. They could sell a million, two million, maybe even more. But they just have to put a day and date on PC, and then PlayStation fans get their games on, you know, day one, and PC fans get their games day one, and everybody's happy, and everybody gets to enjoy the games how they want to enjoy them. But I digress. I can I can beat that that horse until it's <laughs> nothing but skin and bones, but it's not going to make a difference. They'll do what they do, and who knows if they're actually going to learn from Helldivers 2. Alright, any further thoughts on this?
1: Uh, I I guess I'll just add a, a little I'll just tack a little something on to something you mentioned, which I think is a great point. The fact that these studios are making, and not just Sony, but with a lot of other companies as mm. well. The fact that they are putting so much focus onto the um, graphics to make them look ve- very pretty and uh, lifelike, like the, they're just really over inflating their budgets and mm-hmm. they're setting themselves up for failure because, yep. you know, they, in return, Charge high prices for the games, and if people don't want to buy them or wait for a sale, then that you know their projected uh, sales and revenue goes down, and they're like, "Oh, we don't know what happened here." Well, you you're literally selling yourself up for failure by trying to make everything, making this entire bush for it with 4K textures, <laughs> it's like you don't need to do this. Just make a fun game that looks decent, and it'll be good. I mean. I've looked at some comparison videos between Arkham Knight, and this is just my example, like Arkham Knight and Suicide Squad. And Arkham Knight looks so much better than Suicide Squad in several different ways. I'm thinking, how have we gone backwards? Um, This is an Unreal Engine 3 game. Sure, it's modified and had some elements of UE4, but at the end of the day, it's still Unreal Engine 3. And it looks so much better than Mm -hmm. suicide squad and the game came out a decade ago so i think like if you had something that just looked like that something that is good and it holds up well like there's something that needs to be said like you made something then that looked great if you just had something on that level and just like constantly disabled that you could probably build off of that you could probably do things where you could say make the world more interactive because of the fact that the game's not necessarily as demanding, don't need to do as much, it's not as resource-intensive. Um, and because of that, like, if it's something, like, you already know what you're doing, you probably don't even need to, say, um, in- increase your budget because of the fact that, well, this is something we know how to do, something easier to work with. Um, you can do with that, and you could work with other things. Like, hey, you might even be able to, say, go into more buildings or something like that because of the fact that the world, like, we, are, we already have everything set up here, we don't ha- we're not focusing on making everything look so pixel perfect and like worrying about all the ray tracing lighting coming through right. here and you know, stuff like that and it's like you could do more stuff like just build upon what you already have and that's why I think that a lot of, a lot of reasons why I, like, I look at AAA games and I'm like I'm not really impressed like they're really just trying to make things look more lifelike without really adding too much to make mm-hmm. like a game really stand out It's sort of like why I start to shift more so toward AA and indie games because some games have pretty creative ideas or do something different or just like the games might not be uh, realistic looking, but just because of the style and art style, they Mm -hmm. look really appealing. Like when I first saw Hades, I was like, wow, that looks really cool. That looks so different. And I'm like, the gameplay just looks great. I played it and I was like, Wow, this is kind of addicting <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, so, it's not necessarily about how the game looks; it's about how the game feels that really mm-hmm. helps. Yep. Sure, certain games having more realism can be helpful, um, depending on what type of game it is. But I feel like not every, but I feel like that a lot of game designers though aim for that realism rather mm-hmm. than doesn't necessarily need to be realistic. And and. That really is just hurting them and the certain customers both and that's why I just think they need to get their expectations, you know, straightened out. Yep,
0: I agree completely. I mean, one of the things that I've I've realized more and more as time has gone on, is that number one, whenever you focus on realism, it will always get outdated. And I mean the visuals are really impressive now. Like it's it's sometimes jaw dropping how impressively detailed these games have gotten, but the problem is that they focus so much on that they don't focus enough on the gameplay. We keep having diminishing returns, especially you know with what they're able to do with the hardware they're given, because the magical SSD is not quite able to do as much as they said it could, and the PS Five is is starting to show its age even more because you have games like Helldivers that yeah, it can run at 60 frames per second but it's only running at 1080p. And while some of us are perfectly fine with 1080p like me you know, those who have been completely focused on 4K and have you know, thoroughly invested in using 4K they want a system that can do that. And the PlayStation 5 is, it it just can't. It just can't do that, at least not when you're doing like a multiplayer like. Or, you know, like uh, they recently had the demo for Final Fantasy VII Rebirth come out. And that is, uh, in performance mode, everyone has said it basically has like a Vaseline smear on it. It's doing what the Switch did. In order to maintain that 60, they have to make it look worse. And, you know, it's like they do all these additional visual effects to make Rebirth look better than Remake because at least when they're doing like the um, fidelity mode, it looks really, really, really good on the PS5, but it's also 30 frames per second, because people have gotten so spoiled with these visuals, and they care so little about how the game actually feels, so then they end up getting the game that looks better, and we never get past 30 frames per second on consoles. But the funny thing is that you look at Final Fantasy VII Remake, that game already looked incredible on the PS4 and on the PS5 you got the 60 frames per second and it still looks incredible. And it's like you know, you, you didn't have to do all these extra visual upgrades. You could have kept it looking just as good as it looked on PS4 and given it 60 frames without the vaseline smear and it's possible that that they'll fix it by the time like the full game comes out versus the demo definitely possible and if they do more power to them but you keep focusing so much on visuals and it just keeps being diminishing returns you spend more money your budgets get significantly larger you spend a lot more time having to make these games and they're not necessarily better now, I'm not saying that Rebirth is necessarily going to have that problem, because from everything people have been saying about the demo, from everything they've shown, it looks like they learned a lot from what they did well and what they did poorly with Remake, and that they've just made Rebirth a much better game, which is exciting to me because I loved Remake. Remake was a fantastic game um, in so many aspects. But then you look at like a company like Nintendo... Where yes, of course, there are definitely examples of games where they they don't look good, especially in handheld mode. Um, but in a lot of cases, because of the visual style that they use, because they go with with something that's not focusing on realism at all, the games visually hold up significantly better. You know, you, you especially you know you look at like a game from the GameCube era. I mean, like something like Luigi's Mansion or Wind Waker or, um, you know, a variety of, of other games. And they still look good, even today. And, or, you know, even, even if they don't necessarily look like as good. Like, obviously, Metroid Prime on the GameCube doesn't look as good as Metroid Prime Remastered on the Switch. Switch version looks significantly better. It's a huge improvement. And, of course, the fact that they were able to maintain 60 frames per second. Fantastic. But, you know, we were promised this gen that 60 frames per second was going to be the standard. And it's already been shown that that was never true. And I think that realistically, if they hadn't kept putting themselves in this position where they're constantly trying to make it look more and more and more realistic, 60 frames per second could have been the standard a long time ago. But it just hasn't been because they keep going for realism more than anything else. And some of the games that looked the best in previous generations are start are already showing their age simply because of the fact that they were focused on realism. And it just gets harder and harder to maintain that as they go. So I don't know. I'm just. I, I wish that they would just somehow figure this out and stop trying to make games look any better than they already do. Just stop at PS4 levels in terms of how... Because, like, the best-looking PS4 games still look incredible. They, they may not run great because they're only running at 30 frames per second, but if you just aim for the PS4 quality, or if they had just done that from the beginning... They could have had 60 frames per second on every game and still been able to maintain incredible visuals. But nope, they have to keep pushing it. They have to require ray tracing on everything and they have to, you know, focus on trying to make it look as ridiculously realistic as possible instead of just making the game better. But it is what it is. And going back to your example of Hades, you know, That is an incredible looking game. It runs super well, even on the Switch. I mean, it runs at 60 frames per second. I'm not sure if it's locked, but it's just about... It's super close to locked if it's not locked at 60 frames per second on the Switch. I mean, it was all the time that I spent... I spent most of my time playing that game on Switch because I didn't have a Steam Deck yet. Because this is before Steam Deck came out. Um, And it's like, it's a great experience on the Switch. And, of course, it's even better on Steam Deck, especially now that you can do 90 frames per second uh, locked. (laughs) But, you know, the reality is that if more developers would be focused on on trying to make a game that just looks good with a different style and not focus so much on realism, they would have games running better and looking better. They'd be able to do 4K more easily. You know, they wouldn't have to do checkerboard or, you know, AI upscaling. And if they can get the upscaling to work properly, then sure, you know, it seems like DLSS2 and potentially um, at least the future FSR3 will be able to do that better and be able to upscale in a, in a good way. But a lot of times it's just like, it's just not quite doing it. I will say, I want to give Nintendo credit for one thing that definitely impressed me. So Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Um, If you look at Xenoblade Chronicles 2, especially on the Switch, it might be better now, but when that launched, it looked like garbage on the Switch handheld. Like, the visuals were downgraded so significantly that it was just bad. I mean, I, I played it a lot that way because I prefer playing in handheld mode, but man, it was noticeably bad. And same ended up being with uh, Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition. But when they did Xenoblade Chronicles 3, they have some sort of internal upscaling thing to where it looks significantly better on the handheld screen than the other ones did. And I'm not just saying that, oh, it looks like better than 2 and Definitive Edition look. I mean, it, like, it actually looks it looks good on the handheld screen. It's not 4K. It's not anything like that. And all that, but it's it still looks so much better. I'm glad that they figured out a way to work with that because that was my biggest complaint about both 2 and Definitive Edition of 1. Anyway. I've ranted enough about all of that. <laughs> uh, any other thoughts before we move on to the next topic?
1: No, no, no. I think I'm good.
0: Alright, so... Uh, speaking of Nintendo, uh, there is a rumor, which to me is not surprising, but uh, it's that the Switch 2 is going to have full backwards compatibility, and along with that, that it's actually going to make improvements, probably some sort of upscaling, potentially just um, whether it's like going to be through patches or not, I'm not clear on because I didn't actually get a chance to look at the article, but, um, to previous Switch games. So it's going to be backwards compatible with both physical and digital, and improve the previous gen of Switch games. Um, your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely good to hear that. I think it's definitely something that it's pretty pretty much a tradition for Nintendo, at least the handhelds, and technically this is a handheld, um, to have backwards compatibility with the previous generation, so it's nice to see that you know if you bought a game for the regular Switch, you don't necessarily need to buy a Switch version to play it. It's going to be backwards compatible, so I, I like that idea. But the fact that these games have the potential to um, have a performance uh, in- improvements, like whether it's just like because I look or what they call enhanced versions, it's uh, like. Uh, to take advantage of the extra processing power. That's great. Um, I, I I think it's very interesting because it's something that you that really hasn't been done before. Um, the closest thing I would say to that would be with the Game Boy Color slash Game Boy Advance um, giving colorized versions to Game Boy mm-hmm. original Game Boy cartridge games. Um, just give them that color for right. the games. But other than that, no other Handheld has done that before, like Game Boy Advance. Uh, you, you couldn't do that with Game Boy Color. They didn't enhance the games for that that, that aspect. You couldn't even do that with um, DS games in a 3DS game. So, if this is the first time, if this is true, the first time you could actually play an older game at, with like better enhancements or even better performance, like that. Whoops, that's something I would love to see if it is true because if you could say go back and play breath of the wild at 60 fps like that's a game changer right there um and i mean as you mentioned the fact that switch games don't necessarily inherently look bad because nintendo wisely chooses to make the games look uh what's what i'm looking for um they, they choose them to look artistically pleasant, mm. uh, aesthetically pre- pleasant so it might not be like the shiniest most realistic game but the fact that it's, it's stylistic mm. because it, they choose stylistic uh, visuals that are pleasing yet still they don't necessarily get outdated you can still go back and play it but if you can actually enhance the performance that's just going to make the games even better um, so like other games like if you i mean granted if they could say do that for all the Xenoblade chronicles games like Mm -hmm. not only make them like look better like say say make one and two look like the what they did for three but maybe maybe even take a further step further and make it even look better on the handheld um and maybe even simultaneously because it's a more powerful system bump up the frame rate like at the very least have it 60 fps docked and you know maybe get it up to maybe say 40 50 in handheld like if they did that that would breathe new life into the games and people would say you know what I want to go back to these games because they were great and the fact that you know I enjoyed them and I could play them again and I actually get a better experience mm-hmm. that's inc- that, that that's that's a win right there because I mean I've done that in the past um like I played Arkham City and Arkham Origins on the Wii U. Mm-hmm. Those were my first time playing the games right. and I enjoyed it. But when I played them on PC and I played them at 60 FPS, oh my goodness, that was, right. inc- that was incredible for me. Like, that that was the point where I honestly could not believe that I had been playing 30 FPS in games for a long time and to not realize what I was actually missing. Mm-hmm. So if people were actually able to do that with their games, it's a completely new experience, and I really would love to see that happen. Now, granted, the article said that it's something that can happen. That's something that would happen because that's something mm-hmm. I was wondering about. Like, how would developers get that happen? So it's more like an option that right. developers can go back and, you know, make let, allow the games to take advantage of the hardware. Um, but I also think it's great that fact that it's not only cartridges, but also games that you buy in the eShop. So mm-hmm. if you buy a game digitally you could still take advantage of that as well. So I think that is also great there. So I hope, I definitely hope this is more than just a rumor Um because this honestly is probably one of the best things you could do. Like, it honestly would be go- good to like get an upgrade to say like, this is worth getting an upgrade for because you are actually getting those games and you're actually going to get improvements for them. So great that it's backwards compatible. I It's definitely something that I... Would believe what happened just because, as we've both mentioned, Nintendo's done this in the past for their handheld titles. But if you can actually improve the games, that's even better. That's a major win there. So I do want to see that happen. Go for it, Nintendo. Do that. Make it so. Yeah, definitely.
0: I mean, the one thing for me that that makes this great news if, it, if it's actually true, um, it, even just even just being backwards compatible with all titles is that it makes the idea of upgrading systems significantly easier because like i bought a lot of games on switch. Like I, I have over a hundred games easily between physical and digital. I mean, I don't know. I think I have like probably 60, 70, maybe 80 physical games plus a bunch of digital games. Because I, I mean, you know, a lot of those I bought before the Steam Deck was even a thing. Um, but a lot of them I bought just because I wanted to have that physical cartridge. Like, that was important to me. Having, actually being able to own my game. And of course, just the novelty of having some of these games like Skyrim on a cartridge is just fantastic to me. I just, I, I love it. And, um, you know, the... The thought that all the, all the time and money I put in... Well, not time, but all the money that I put into these games, that it was actually an investment that will hold up. You know, that it's not something where I'm stuck having to play it just on my old Switch. It encourages me more to at least consider upgrading. Now, I will say that that doesn't mean that I'm going to go and grab the... Um, grab the new switch right away because i'm still waiting for that oled like i I was
1: waiting for that (laughs) like i
0: I, i'm not i'm not gonna do that again i'm just not but if they if they did the oled um day and date or i mean you know you know at the same time that they released the other one i would probably just buy it right away I'd, i'd buy it right away i would let my wife have the old oled because i noticed she would love using it, especially for like animal crossing. And I mean, like right now she's playing Lego, Lego city undercover. Um, and you know, I mean, every game looks better on the OLED screen, every single game. Um, and so, you know, I, I would do that and then I would get the, the, the switch to OLED and I would be able to transfer my whole library over and play all my existing games. Um, but assuming that's not going to be the case the great thing about this is that it also encourages me to not give up on buying more switch games because it's like there's still plenty of games that I don't even own yet that I would like to own and knowing that if, even if I buy them for my switch now I don't have to worry about the experience being changed in in a bad way when I when I upgrade to the switch 2 because like I look at for example playing Wii games on the Wii U, or playing uh, GameCube games on the Wii. You know, occasionally there there were times where it could work out to where it you know it ended up being as good or better of an experience, but a lot of times it just didn't quite play the same. Like it didn't feel the same. And um, part of it was you know like if you're having to use a different kind of controller, that that could be a reason why it didn't feel the same or I don't know. It just it felt weird. Whereas going from the Switch to Switch Two, it's not going to feel weird, in that same sense, if that makes sense. Um, it, it's one of those things where I, I I just feel like it's it's it is so pro consumer, which is so different from what Nintendo usually does. I mean, yes, they they have done backwards compatibility with many of their previous consoles. I mean, you know the. You know, Game Boy Advance, I think, was probably their first one where they had backwards compatibility with the Game Boy. Game Boy and Game Boy Color. Um, you know, And then the DS, the original, and, and the Lite both had backwards compatibility with Game Boy Advance. And the 3DS has backwards compatibility with the DS. But in many cases, it just didn't quite feel as good to play those games on those systems. And it's mostly usually because the screen resolution was different. So you'd have either the image is stretched out, or if you have it running at the same resolution, it just you have black bars on the side, and it's like <laughs> it, it kind of it makes the experience less enjoyable um, than playing on the original system. But with Switch, that shouldn't be a problem, and I would bet that more likely than not, the Switch Two is still going to have a seven twenty p screen, and that it will just be capable of doing theoretically either higher frame rates or more consistent 60 and that docked it will be able to do 4k even though it'll probably just be an upscaled like using dlss 2 that's probably what it would be if anything and i think that that seems like the most likely reality um now as far as the idea of it souping up games making them you know run a bit better um I love the idea of that. I can't imagine that there's going to be a whole lot of developers who will take advantage of that. But I could see Nintendo mm. slowly taking their back catalog and upgrading a lot of their previous games, or at least just basically making it so that um, you know they, they throw in a couple lines of code that essentially uncap a frame rate, or make it so that a game is capable. Uh, I mean, doesn't um, doesn't downclock the CP or the you know the processor? Whatever it is that, yeah, it is the CPU normally that they they're downclocking for, um, for games because you know of course it runs at the seven hundred or seven whatever whatever it is the the higher the higher rate when docked than it does when it's undocked. Um, if they could just make it so that those games basically run in the docked equivalent in handheld mode, that already would improve a lot of things. But um, of course, if it has additional power too, which it should theoretically, then you know potentially you could just have even better visuals and/or performance with a lot of games, like something like Xenoblade. Of course, sixty frames. Obviously, I would love to see that. But even just taking two and Definitive Edition, taking those and making it so that it runs in docked mode equivalent perhaps at least with a stable 30 frames per second, even though I obviously want 60, that would be a big improvement because they look terrible in handheld mode. But, um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting, uh, rumor and it could just be another one of those where it's like, this is just what, what, uh, people are speculating and that it's not actually what's happening. Um, but we'll wait and see. I definitely know I gave Nintendo a lot more credit before the Switch came out um, for what I thought that they would do than they actually ended up doing. And of course, I was still very much a fanboy, so I was giving them way more credit than they deserved. I, As far as I'm concerned, I would not be surprised in the least if Nintendo says that there are no backwards compatible games. And that you just have to buy new games, and it's going to be an LCD, which is already the rumor anyway, and seems likely. Um, and furthermore, there's no more uh, Nintendo Online subscription, or they have like a new one that you have to get on top of it, like expansion pack plus you have to get <laughs> in order to play these games on Switch too. I could I could see them doing <laughs> all of that, and. It would give me plenty of motivation to not buy it, but I don't know. I'm curious to see what Nintendo has in store. I mean, it's just like, I remember how excited I was, you know, before we had the Switch officially revealed. All the NX rumors, all the different possibilities, and then when the hybrid thing was confirmed... I was even more excited because it was what I had always wanted. And I was so glad that Nintendo was finally able to do it. But, yeah. Alright, any other thoughts on that?
1: Uh, No, sir.
0: Alright, well, um, it is getting late, but... uh, would you mind covering the Ubisoft quadruple-A topic here?
1: Sure thing. So, uh... The president of Ubisoft, um... And I always butcher his name, uh... Just because I, 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 uh... Have a hard time it Eve, pronouncing it. Eve... Eve... Guillermo? Eve is Eve is... Eve yeah, 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 I think? Yep, yeah, him. So, so... He came out and he defended uh, the Skull and Bones price tag, which is $7, and he essentially called it a quadruple-a game. So as part of a Q&A session for a conference and talking about the Hero 1 roadmap, he w- someone asked why Ubisoft was insisting on charging $7 for the game and potentially limiting the size of its player base, suggesting a free-to-play model may better suit the live service mechanics and give it a better chance of building a community. He then replied with an S ass- with an assertion that Skull and Bones deserves to be a full price game because of its scale. And here's what he said. You will see that Skull and Bones is a fully fledged game. It's a very big game, and we feel that people will really see how vast and complete that game is. It's a really full triple dot dot dot. Quadruple a game that will deliver in the long run. So, um, uh, I've got a couple of things I, that I want to say But I will let you Go ahead and uh, start off
0: Alright Well, okay, so First of all I'm going to say that I think The reason he's calling it The Quadruple a game Above all else Is because he wants to justify I mean, obviously he wants to justify the price But he wants to justify the price Because they've spent way more money on this game Than they planned because this game was in development hell for years. And they're finally able to put it out. I mean I think I think this game was announced like six years ago was was the first time it was announced. Um, I'm pretty sure it was it was 2018 or earlier that it was first announced. And uh, then completely rebooted in 2020. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're selling it for this full price because. They need to make up some of that cost that they put into it. Um, But then the other thing I'm going to say is that while I'm sure there's plenty of content involved in it, you can bet the farm on (laughs) the reality that this game is going to drop in price dramatically within a month. Because Ubisoft games always drop in price very fast. And I would not be surprised if within the year Switch to free-to-play. I, I would not be in the least bit surprised on that front, and then all the people who spent full price on it are going to feel very burned by <laughs> by that reality. Um, now, I will say, I want to. I, I am someone who actually, for the most part, have liked Ubisoft. I, I do think that the Assassin's Creed games got way too bloated, starting with Odyssey. I mean, like it was, it was starting to get a little bloated before that. Origins was, like, borderline on how bloated it was, but I still enjoyed Origins, and I felt like it it just reached, like, the max of what they could do without it being too much. But Odyssey was just too much. And then from everything I've heard, even people who loved Odyssey said that Valhalla was way too much. Which is why I'm just waiting for like it to drop really low in price and then I'll grab it. <laughs> but <laughs> um, in general, I've, I've liked the Ubisoft formula. I, I, I've i enjoyed it quite a bit. But like, Skull and Bones didn't interest me at all because I know that the whole idea behind this was that they were taking the ship combat from Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag and turning it into a full game. The problem is, what made Black Flag so great was not just the ship combat, though the ship combat was fantastic. It was the combination of everything. It was just the sheer uh, variety that they had, and they had a really good balance. They had a lot of content without being too much. I I still feel that that is the best balanced of the open-world games I've played. Um, I, I think... Where well, at least at the Assassin's Creed open world games, it's definitely the best balanced because it has a it has a lot of content, but it's not too much. And like Origins, I felt like was at the very top of my limits. Black Flag was like just perfect in terms of its balance of everything. Of course, if they do the remake, like has been rumored, there are certainly things they could still improve about the game. But as an overall package, I thought that it was the best one. Skull and Bones, though, the problem with it, at least in my opinion, is that it's just it just doesn't interest me. Like I I, I feel like it's just not gonna have that right kind of balance. Because the fact is, is that ship combat in every Assassin's Creed game I played after Black Flag, all of which came at all of which were made after Black Flag. I didn't think it was as good. Like, I I did it in Assassin's Creed Rogue and Origins and Odyssey. Um, I can't remember if there was another one I did it in. It was definitely, it was at least in those three. And all three of them, I didn't feel like it was as good. I mean, Rogue was probably the closest in terms of being good, but even then, maybe just because of the environment i just didn't think it was as good as it was in black flag and skull and bones to me just like i think this game is going to flop pretty hard not that it's not going to sell decently it'll probably sell a couple mi- million copies i think is, is reasonable to assume but i think that considering how much money they've had to put into this game i don't think it's going to meet the projections by any stretch and they're going to have to First, drop the price, but then go free to play within a year. Anyway, your thoughts?
1: Yeah, that that's definitely pretty good, especially hearing your thoughts on the combat, since you have played a lot of uh, naval combat in the Assassin's Creed games. I've only played Black Flag, so I can't really compare my experience with um, the later games. But I think I don't think you get to justify, or you can't, I don't think you get to claim that your game is a certain tier of game, like, I don't think you get to arbitrarily just declare that your game is a quadruple a title um, if anything it's really just saying, like, you mentioned this already, the fact that you really just spent more than you should have won this game uh, granted I don't know all the details as far as the development of this game, but I guess it partially goes back to what I was saying before that these companies really just spend way more than they probably should or, or need to. Um, like, I don't know what the initial budget for the game was, but how did it get this far out of control? The fact that you have to call it a, tri- a blade title is very concerning. <laughs> um, the fact that like how much money did you even spend or like what even happened um it it, it definitely is a problem there um it, but even still even with that money being spent i don't really still to me that still isn't justify the game being um 70 dollars now and also for nothing i also thought about when i heard this statement was the fact that if you're calling this game a quadruple a title I expect there to be quadruple-A performance, like I expect there, yes. Games are large enough that there will be stuff that, bugs that get in, there might be some glitches, there might be some problems here and there, I understand that. But there better not be a day one patch that's like 15 gigabytes because we Oh, oops, there are some problems going on uh, with the game that needs to be worked on. I thought this game was quadruple-A. And you're saying that uh, the quality does not match the price tag. So, I think that that's another issue that's going on. The fact that you're also trying to make these games larger. And the fact that it could also impact how the games perform. And overall, I think that if you really lowered your budgets. If you really looked at what you can do. The scope of your games. And look at what works um things could turn a whole lot better now granted you said that the naval combat for black flag was great and but the fact that they're focusing solely on that rather than what made it work uh in in combination with the other aspects of a of black flag were what's made great that wait where am i going with this um that definitely oh gosh I I had a complete train of thought that was going to go down but like it's gone off track here Uh, but I I think that looking over what they can do to make the games uh, or I'll I'll just summarize and just say that lower your scope Look at what works and focus on that and focus on improving what worked um, without having to inflate your budgets as high as they need to. Because if you do actually set more reasonable budgets, if you do have to spend more, you're not going to uh, drastically overinflate your budget to the point where you actually are concerned if you'll actually break even when you sell the game. Whereas to say, okay, if we had, say, a, I don't know, $5 million budget, and say, oops, we've had some snags here and there, we're going to need to spend some more money. Oh, okay, we'll boost it up to, say, $8 million, $9 million. Okay, that's fine, that's a problem, but, you know, we're confident that we'll be able to make that money back, and then, you know, invent some, and make a pretty decent profit, so, if they did that, if more companies did that, that's great, but if you have budgets that are more than full-featured blockbuster movies, I think that's a problem right there. Um, I, I don't think a game should be that expensive to make, and I yes, I understand that we are dealing with stuff like inflation and stuff, and costs for a lot of things are going up, and new technology makes things more expensive. But at the same time, I don't think that, even with all these factors in consideration, that the games should be costing as much as they can. I mean, when you look, I mean, I can't remember what it was. What, I think that the, um, I can't remember what the budget was, but the budget of Power World was maybe one or two million, and it brought in so much more money. And that's just from a smaller title. Think of what a full AAA studio could do with as many resources as they have with a smaller budget. Your profits will go up because you're spending less and granted you still have to put in that effort and make it work, if you're still putting in that same quality, your bu- your profits will still go up. So you're raising your you make you're increasing your budgets, but then also expecting your revenues to also go up drastically higher when that's not necessarily going to work for you and you're making big gambles which may or may not pay off in the long run but that's what I, that's 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 all I've got to say for there
0: well I'm very glad that you recovered that train of thought after Sabin suplexed it so <laughs> it, uh, very good recovery so um, yeah I don't really have any further thoughts I thought you you did a good job summing it up, and yeah. All right. Well, I think that's all we got for tonight, other than the normal closing out stuff. So, any further thoughts on anything we've discussed before we finish out?
1: Uh, no, sir. All right. Recommendations and dissuasions.
0: Get us started.
1: All right. So, my recommendation is. If you are a fan of horror films, uh, and especially if you are someone who's really get interested in getting into Japanese horror films, I recommend *One Missed Call*. Um, it did have a uh, it did have an American uh, remake back in the uh, early two thousands that was horrible, but the original Japanese version was actually pretty good. And I've been going back through some of my some Japanese horror game uh, movies that I've bought I finally got to that that one I, I'll say is good it's not as good as other Japanese horror films I've seen like The First Ring or uh, Ju-On but it's definitely still pretty good and worthy of being recognized so I do recommend watching that if you're interested in getting into Japanese horror films
0: alright well I'm absolutely not <laughs> no, no thank you definitely no thank you um, that did actually give me some ideas of alternate recommendations and dissuasions I can do so um, in terms of recommendations um, a- along a similar line something else that actually originated in Japan was translated to English early 2000s is Uh, a book called Battle Royale which um, it's by Koshin Takami and it was a book that a friend introduced me to back then back early 2000s when I was a wee lad 20 years ago 20 plus years ago and um, it's a fantastic novel Um, really really good but it will also lead into my dissuasion so Anyway, that rec- that's my recommendation,
1: is uh, Battle Royale. Well, um, I don't know how, but that actually kind of segues into my dissuasion as well, which I, uh, well, indirectly, but my dissuasion actually is don't wait until the night before to, or don't wait until the last minute to watch a movie from the library. So I actually had a movie, which is Battle Royale. Um, yes, uh, that I I had read the novel before, and I knew there was a movie. I said I saw that the library had, it and I was like, No, I'm gonna go watch this. I didn't watch it, and unfortunately, it was due today, so I did not get a chance to watch it. So because of that, my dissuasion is: Do not put off watching your uh library movies until the last minute because you might not be able to renew them like i wasn't able to so there's that well funny
0: enough my (laughs) dissuasion is actually don't watch battle royale that movie is terrible it is a, a horrible adaptation so so bad like it is awful and I'm, I'm talking about the japanese adaptation the movie that they did the movie version it is it is horrendous it is is such a departure from the original story that it's because the, the novel is phenomenal but this the movie was was awful it was so bad i i i watched it once and i was like no i'm never watching this again it was just terrible and I mean, like, it wasn't even just because, oh, you know, the effects are bad. It's like, whatever, that's not the big deal. The problem is that it went, it departed so far from what the novel did, and yeah, obviously, it couldn't do as much detail as the novel did because the novel went into you know, the perspectives of all of a bunch of different people, and you know, you really got a good idea of you know the thought process that was going through each of the characters' minds as they were going through this whole thing. But the movie just. Did a terrible job with it. Um, there is a manga of it, which is good. It's it's a better adaptation, although it's very very graphic, and in many ways it's like ways that it shouldn't be graphic. Um, in terms of you know portraying well, essentially young teenagers in in ways that you shouldn't be looking at young teenagers. I mean, yes, these are cartoons, but still it's like, so I, would, I wouldn't recommend the graphic novels for that reason, even though it is a better adaptation in terms of faithfulness to the original story. But the original story is still better. It's, it's still the best and the movie's awful. So you dodged a bullet. <laughs> now if you ever if you ever do decide to watch it you can tell me if you agree with me because I would be curious to hear your opinion but I'm telling you it's bad it's just which is unfortunate because <laughs> because the book is so good it's super super good and yeah anyway All right Well that's it that's what I got you got anything else
1: before we close no, sir. All right. Well, where can people find you? Uh, they can find me on my channel, I Am Xeracon. That is I A M X E R A C O N. So, youtube.com forward slash at I Am Zeracon. I was supposed to have a video last weekend. Circumstances delayed me. Uh, but I did actually record everything I needed to. So, I just need to edit it and upload it. So. It should definitely be up by the time this video is uploaded, which will be Friday. Um, so maybe it'll be the day before, maybe it'll be the same day. Who can say? We'll just gotta wait and see. But yeah, that's that's all I've got.
0: All right. Well, you can find me at YouTube um, at the Frozen Gamer eighty seven. Um, I just put out a comparison uh, for. What was the last one? Was it Final Fantasy XII? Final Fantasy XII. And um, so that, that one is up. And uh, the next one that's going up next Monday is Dark Souls Remastered. I decided to do a couple different things with that just in how I recorded it. And I think that the result is good. Plus, also, I was able to fix the, the issue with the timers. So, I mean, it's basically accurate now, although it's off by like .03 seconds, which is annoying. So it's whatever but anyway it's still uh it, it's still a good comparison it's it's a good one to check out um also i have my cooking channel not authentic but delicious at nabd cooking um i just put out video for my first pizza recipe which is for a garlic chicken bacon pizza um and uh next week, it sh- the one that should be going up is a spaghetti sauce recipe, which is actually, it's spaghetti sauce three ways. Um, it starts with just a basic, a, a really basic tomato sauce. Um, I mean, it has more than just tomatoes in it, but it's fairly basic, and then one that has just veggies, so it's, you know, tomato sauce plus, um, all, all the ingredients of the first one, but adding Uh, mushrooms and and olives to it, black olives, and then a meat sauce. So it has the mushrooms, the olives, veggies there in the basic sauce, and then also both ground beef and Italian sausage. And um, yeah, so that's the next one I'm putting up. It's mostly edited. I just need to uh, film an outro and then add in like the title card within the video. So... I need to do more editing. I don't. I haven't had much <laughs> much chance to get around to doing those, but I need to to get some of those ready so that I have one up for every week. But probably apart from finishing up that one this weekend, I won't have much chance to uh, get things done right away. So there'll probably be some of them coming hot off the press. But at least they're recorded. They're already recorded. It's just putting them together. But yeah, that is all I got. So, or, I'm sorry. Backing up. I am the Frozen Gamer eighty-seven. That is I am Zericon. And until next time, never forget that twenty-five years ago, Lavos destroyed the world as we knew it. Orange Box Podcast out.